0: Hello and welcome to the Tao Te Ching for everyday living. I'm your host, Dan Casas-Murray. This podcast is for the Tao curious, those looking for a random bit of wisdom once in a while, or for those who want to dive into this wonderful teaching. I've been studying the Tao Te Ching for just short of a year now and have reconnected with a natural feeling of inner peace and contentment. I don't hold a doctorate, nor am I qualified to teach anything about the Tao De Jing. I'm just an ordinary person who has experienced the wonderful side effects of following the Tao. Since everyone's experience with this wisdom is different, the only thing that I can hope for is that mine helps you to connect with the Tao in your own unique personal way. Feel free to listen to each episode a day at a time or anytime you need a quick Tao shot. You can listen while you're on your way to work, or after that, when you're winding down. It's always a good time to observe the Dao. In each episode, we'll do four things. 1. We'll read a verse of the Dao De Jing 2. I'll break it down into everyday language 3. I'll share my own thoughts and experience And 4. I'll leave you with a couple of the many ways you can put the Dao into practice for yourself. That's pretty much how I've been practicing the Tao every day, by listening to Lao Tzu, reflecting on his words of wisdom, listening to other comments, and trying to practice them in everyday life. Thanks for joining me today, and enjoy this episode of the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living. verse 31 winning is losing military weapons are implements of ill omen avoided even by natural creatures hence the sage does not indulge in them the sage in dwelling honors the left in military campaigns honors the right hence military weapons are not implements of a sage Military weapons, being implements of ill omen, are to be employed only in dire necessity. Better to regard them with lack of interest. Do not admire them. If one admires them, one would be rejoicing in the killing of people. But whoever rejoices in the killing of people will not be successful in the world. Therefore in joyful affairs the left is honored, in mournful affairs the right is honored. The second-in-command takes the place of the left. The commander-in-chief takes the place of the right, meaning that this is her place in the funeral rite. When many people have been killed, well them with sorrow and lamentations. When victorious in battle, mark the occasion with the rite of funeral. That's verse 31 of the Tao Te Ching, translated by Ellen Marie Chen next let's break it down this verse has three parts to it and we'll take each part one idea at a time part one talks about weapons being implements of ill omen part two talks about the sorrow of killing and part three talks about the left or the creative and the right or the military and we'll talk a little bit about that, uh, and I'll reference some of the Lin Tang book. Okay, so in part one, there's different translations, and some say military weapons, sometimes say soldiers, sometimes other translations just kind of allude to this governmental level of of military control over populations or of people that maybe the populations would consider to be enemies. Of course, we're talking about China 2,500 years ago. And uh, I think we can look earlier, or I mean later in Europe and kind of see the same thing um, along the timeline, you know. And even today, even today in our modern world, I think this verse still applies at the governmental level. But what I'd like to get into a little later on in The episode is how we can actually apply this to our own lives because it turns out for me that I use weapons and violence in my own personal life. And there's a way for me to get what I need without having to use weapons. And I'm talking about weapons that I use right now in terms of verbal weapons, emotional weapons, fear based weapons, those kinds of things. So part one basically says that weapons are implements of ill omen, like don't use them if you don't have to. And so we can look at this and and say, okay, well, how can I be loving and kind with my words other than being fearful and angry, I think is one of the applications that I can take away from this first part. The second part says, hey, look, you know, sometimes it's inevitable and we have to you know, set boundaries, just like we discussed in the last verse. Sometimes we need to repel um, things that are, that are sort of coming at us. I think the idea is that if we do not revel in the results that we produce with the weapons, when we do have to use them, then we can just that much sooner get back to our center, get back to the core and continue to be in harmony with the Tao. And so on a national level, we can look at this and say, well, look, you know, uh, when there's a war, when there's an armed conflict, anytime that there's killing of anyone, whether it's our side or quote their side, we had to look at that holistically and say, Hey, look, not just us, but also members of our human family died because we couldn't avoid it. And so if we can be a little more sorrowful about the results that we produce with our weapons, the destructive results, then maybe that changes the way we think about it. Now, part three talks about the left or the creative and the right or the general. I'm going to talk about this little reference here in Lin-Yu Tang's translation. This is on page 167 of... The Wisdom of Lao Tzu, translated, edited, and with an introduction and notes by Lin-Yu Tang. And that was copyrighted in 1948 by Random House, Inc. So here's the line. The gentleman favors the left in civilian life, but on military occasions favors the right. And this is the footnote. Um, it says, these are ceremonial arrangements. The left is a symbol of good omen, the creative. And the right is a symbol of bad omen, the destructive. So understanding that kind of helped me to get my head around at least what they're talking about with the left and the right. I kind of see that as maybe a little bit of yin and a little bit of yang uh, in a certain way. Okay, so that's part three. Let's go ahead and wrap it up. We could summarize this verse by remembering that verse 31 has three parts to it. Part one talks about weapons as implements of ill omen. Part two talks about the sorrow of killing. And part three talks about the left or the creative and the right or the general. So let's put that back together. I'll read verse 31 again. Military weapons are implements of ill omen, avoided even by natural creatures hence the sage does not indulge in them the sage indwelling honors the left in military campaigns honors the right hence military campaigns are not implements of a sage military weapons being implements of ill omen are to be employed only in dire necessity better to regard them with lack of interest do not admire them if one admires them one would be rejoicing in the killing of people but whoever rejoices in the killing of people will not be successful in the world therefore in joyful affairs the left is honored in mournful affairs the right is honored the second in command takes the place of the left the commander-in-chief takes the place of the right meaning that this is her place in the funeral right When many people have been killed, wail them with sorrow and lamentations. When victorious in battle, mark the occasion with the rite of funeral. Let's take a look at some of the things that this verse made me think about today. When considering how winning is losing, I thought about three things. One, I thought about imposition. Two, I thought about funerals of victory and three, I thought about... winning without losing. Imposition. It's morning time. The air is a little crisp, and I can smell the freshly cut grass I'm standing on. My uniform has been pressed and starched. I worked on shining my boots for two hours last night, and it shows. You can see the reflection of the sun in them. I am holding my rifle, and it is comfortable and familiar in my hands. I cleaned it too, and I can smell the light aroma of gun oil coming from its parts. I am standing with 973 of my comrades, all lined up at parade rest. We are listening to the incoming commander address us. He tells us how these are uncertain times, how what we do is serious business. Our jobs, first and foremost, are to protect each other. Be safe, but above all, do the right thing. We are servants of our country, and we protect our citizens against our enemies, he finishes. Birds, oblivious to the gravity of this day, sing away as the commander assumes control of our unit. The marching band's cymbals clap, and the classic sound of the military band comes to life. We are called to attention, commanded to face right, and begin marching in time with the music. In my younger years, I felt pride in this moment. What wasn't to like? I had a purpose. I had comrades. I had direction. I was given a mission, and I happily carried it out. What could be so wrong with doing the right thing and protecting others? I really felt called to my duty, and there was no question in my mind about what I was doing there was a moment six years prior to that when the last of my reservations about being in the military vanished into my subconscious we were doing weapons training they told us how the rifle worked what its parts were we had contests to see who could break it down into its pieces and put it back together again the fastest and then there finally came the day when we went to the range and we were able to shoot our rifles amidst all the excitement It dawned on me that the thing I was holding in my hands was designed to do one thing and one thing only. Despite all the knowledge, experience, stories, and veneration of our organization, we were training for one thing only. Despite the swelling of pride, the colors, the hard work, the relationships forged, the challenges and accomplishments of the army I was in, It was designed to do one thing only, impose its will on others using force. I looked at that thought for a moment. I considered it briefly. It seemed out of place with the rest of what was going on, so I tucked it back into the corner of my mind for the next 20 years. Like everyone else, I went to the range and did my best. Life in the army carried on. So am I passing judgment on any of this? No. I felt called to describe some of my experiences in the military to illustrate the first part of this verse. Lao Tzu calls weapons the least desired tools we can use. I think the main point that I'm trying to illustrate is that arms seem grand and are an expression of the power that we can wield in order to impose our will on others. Let's remember that things really haven't changed in the last 2,500 years. Weapons are weapons, and despite their sophistication and elegance, are still designed to destroy. Funerals of Victory If you're listening to this, no doubt you've experienced someone's death in your life. You may have even been to a funeral. In most cultures I'm aware of, there are always rites or ceremonies or some way of honoring the deceased. Even if it's just getting closure and saying goodbye, funerals are very much a part of life. I'd like us to sit with this for a moment. Usually it's when a family member or extended family member passes away. Or a friend that has had a close family member pass away. They're all different. Some are celebrations of life. Some are happy. Some are sad. So I'm gonna be feeling confused after the whole thing. Was I supposed to feel happy or sad or what? And that's something I've asked myself before. So in my experience only, the funerals that I have attended were designed to help us say goodbye ourselves to the deceased and to support our fellow humans who have gone on living. Collectively, we gather to appreciate the beauty of the deceased person's passing. We share stories. We make firm resolutions to never forget. Sometimes, new relationships are formed and old relationships are rekindled as a result. Okay, let's now consider the last armed conflict your country was involved in. Let's also set aside the morality of it for now, you know, whether it was justified or not. Let's also set aside feelings of pride or shame that arose because of the conflict's result. Let's just remember what it was like when the news reported that the conflict was over, or when a battle had been fought and was over. Can you remember how you felt or didn't feel? There've been occasions that I have felt pride at the vanquishing of my enemy. Even in reviewing my country's history books, I have many times felt pride when I learned that we repelled an enemy or that a desired objective was achieved. I have tended to feel happiness when it was said that my country won the conflict or war. I have attended funerals of my fellow service members in the army. They all produced a basic set of emotions in me. Sadness and loss, feeling of determination to move forward, and hatred toward the people who did this thing to my comrade. And you know what? During the conflict's conclusion, the history lessons, and the funerals... I never once considered the, quote, other side and their people. While I was soothing myself with feelings of patriotism and morality, I didn't consider that perhaps there were other people, other families doing the same thing that we were. So let's look at this for a moment. During a conflict, there are two or more sides, and each of them are comprised of humans, and each of them are using their creations and technology to destroy each other now we're just observing now no need to place judgment on this so if we look at this from a dao perspective we see the ebb and flow of yin the creative and yang the destructive of course sometimes violence is necessary to defend oneself And I think we're mostly in agreement that violence for domination, occupation, and exploitation is generally not accepted, though this is not the case everywhere. Lao Tzu isn't condemning every form of war in this verse. I think he's pointing out that when we do use it, we ought to consider that we are putting members of our human family to death. So how would it feel if, after an armed conflict, we had funerals and memorial services for the dead both our own and the, quote, other side. I wonder how that would affect our willingness to fight, make war, or justify our actions the next time. After reading other commentaries and reflecting on this verse, I found that while this verse seems large and inapplicable to me as an individual, there's a way I can look at it that helps me see violence that I instigate in my personal life, through use of my thoughts, words, and actions to achieve my ego's aims. Anytime I'm selfishly standing on tiptoes, straining my strides, trying to be luminous, justify my actions, trying to take credit, or just generally being prideful like Lao Tzu describes in verse 24, I am using a form of violence in a way, aren't I? Using violence to achieve my own ends. In the next section, we'll explore how this verse can apply to us on a personal level. We'll look at how we do use violence every day, and how despite its subtle, almost imperceptible consequences, we're still hurting others. Winning without losing. In my daily life, I interact with family, with colleagues, and with friends. I would say that most of the time I'm able to treat these people with love, compassion, and humility. There are times, however, When I have noticed that I am snappy with my spouse, I don't do extra things for colleagues, and I talk smack about a friend to another. So I can see that there are two sides to me, the loving, kind, and gentle Dan, and then there's the annoyed, closed-off, and the drama Dan. (laughs) How are these things present? I mean, I feel like the first Dan would be my most desired state, so how does the second type of Dan show up? Where does that guy come from? Well, after some reflection on this verse and from consulting Brian Walker's version of the I Ching or Book of Changes, I know where he comes from. The second Dan pops up any time I'm using violence to achieve my aims. I'm not necessarily talking about the plans and designs I have to rule the world or anything. In these cases, my aims are usually to make me feel better about whatever's going on with me internally. Let me explain for a moment. I've noticed that when I don't feel uneasy, scared, or insecure, things seem pretty good. Yeah, they're not perfect, but they're (laughs) deal-withable. And during those times, I'm usually happy to see others, interact with them, laugh, give love, joy, you know, things that make life worth living. But when, for whatever reason, maybe I see something or experience something that threatens my sense of security things don't look as good. I'm not as willing to give love to others. Instead, I look for ways to eliminate that insecurity because it feels icky and insecure. It's in this moment that the second Dan emerges. The second Dan takes over in an effort to regain that sense of security. The second Dan doesn't really care about anything except feeling more secure. And since he's had 43 years to figure out how to get it, He's pretty crafty about how he goes about it. The second Dan, when he's on a mission to feel better, doesn't have time to care for his spouse, help others at work, and be gentle and loving with friends. Nope. That guy actually manipulates people into telling him that it'll be okay, that they feel sorry for him, and that he's a good person. That guy usually picks the wrong times and interrupts people when they're doing things that are important for themselves. That guy just kind of turns into a bull in an emotional china shop. If I'm to apply this verse to the second Dan, I would say that he stands on the right. When he feels insecure about anything, be it finances, his sense of worth, his social status, or his relationships, he will do anything to feel better. And put another way, when fear is ruling me, I make decisions that are fear-based and leave considerations of others unconsidered. In a way, I am using violence to achieve my aims by imposing or trying to impose my will on others. If, however, I am to practice this verse personally, I can look toward the person on the left, the yin, the creative, the first dan. Instead of trying to feel better, I may remember that that fear is only an internal response to real or imagined external factors the fear has nothing to do with my connection and ability to use the Tao by allowing it to flow through me the fear is just a set of chemicals swirling around my bloodstream that's it if i can remember this which is really usually hard in the moment by the way i can observe my fear for what it is just something that will pass. So putting all this together, weapons and arms are designed to do one thing, which is inflict the bearer's will on others. Lao Tzu says that this is the least desired thing to do. But when it can't be helped, we should treat that imposition as modestly and cautiously as we can, limiting its use. We should treat each victory as a funeral. So I am one person, That first Dan and second Dan are just two pieces of me. Sometimes, I can't help it when my fear gets the better of me. When it does, my best course of action is to observe it to the best of my ability, limit the amount of damage that it inflicts on others, and then look for ways to learn from it when it has passed. In its aftermath, I can then review what happened and try to prevent it in the future. And then, I'll be leading from the left, and then not the right. Let's summarize then. And considering how winning is losing, I thought about three things. Number one was impositions. Number two were funerals of victory. And number three, I thought about winning without losing. For the final piece of this episode, let's consider how we can apply the principle of winning is losing in this verse today. I'd like you to consider the last time that a conversation didn't go as planned, or an interaction at work or with friends that left you feeling off. It could be that someone told you something that just didn't sit well with you. Perhaps on some level it created this feeling of dread that you felt in your stomach, or perhaps you felt a bit of anger well up in your chest. Maybe you approached another person with the goal of getting them to say something that would make you feel better about a situation, like Maybe you were asking for advice, but didn't get the advice you thought you should get. Let's just take a moment to pause and remember. We're just kind of looking for a time when the conversation kind of just went sideways. In the moment, it may have seemed that you were right and the other person was wrong. Or, you were misunderstood, and if only the other person could understand, the argument need not have happened. We're going to take a deep dive here into ourselves. I'd like you to ask yourself, what was the reason you initially started talking with that person? Was it about finances? How you felt about their behavior? Maybe it was about something they weren't doing correctly at work or at home. Next, let's dig a little deeper into ourselves and ask why we felt we needed to bring it up in the first place. Was it because somewhere deep down, we felt a little twinge of insecurity? Maybe we felt a little emotionally unsafe. Maybe it was work-related and we felt a little financially insecure Perhaps we were worried how it would look if we allowed the other person to continue their behavior. Maybe we were a little afraid that our relationship was going to change. Now let's consider how we acted when we felt this way, when we were coming from a place of insecurity, either in the beginning of the incident or even during, did we feel a need to defend ourselves? Did we feel the need to make sure we were understood? Did we feel that no matter what, we needed to be heard? And if we weren't, what did we do then? Did we continue arguing? Or did we disengage and walk away? There's no right answer here. We're just exploring. Looking back on this, is there a part of us that can acknowledge that we may have spoken or acted from a place of fear. And if so, when we saw that we weren't going to get what we needed our security back, what did we do? Did we continue trying to get it from the other person with provocative words? And finally, let's ask ourselves, does this verse apply to this situation? Did I use any sort of imposition of my will on another person? If so, can I see it for what it was, an imposition? Can I realize this and maybe after sitting with it for a bit, make peace with my behavior? Can I compassionately turn my heart's attention toward the other person and silently thank them for being patient with me? Can I look for ways that could help me prevent this feeling of insecurity, anxiety, or fear that originally cropped up? There's no doubt about it. This process was uncomfortable for me. It causes me to look where I don't want to and might even add a bit to my sense of anxiety. (laughs) What I can say though, is that for me, Once I get through the process, I can look back and realize that like most things, I am the cause of my own agitation. I can use this process to continue loving my fellow humans and I can continue to try and live more and more in harmony with the Tao. So that's a great place to wrap it up. Thank you for walking with me in this last part where we took a look at how we might be imposing our wills on others because we ourselves may be feeling insecure, anxiety, or fear. To close out this episode, I'll leave you with a final reading of verse 31 of the Tao Te Ching translated by Ellen Marie Chen. Military weapons are implements of ill omen, avoided even by natural creatures hence the sage does not indulge in them the sage indwelling honors the left and military campaigns honors the right hence military weapons are not implements of a sage military weapons being implements of ill omen are to be employed only in dire necessity better to regard them with lack of interest do not admire them if one admires them one would be rejoicing in the killing of people but whoever rejoices in the killing of people will not be successful in the world therefore in joyful affairs the left is honored in mournful affairs the right is honored the second in command takes the place of the left the commander-in-chief takes the place of the right meaning that this is her place in the funeral right when many people have been killed, wail them with sorrow and lamentations. When victorious in battle, mark the occasion with a rite of funeral. Thanks for listening to an episode of the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living with your host, Dan Casas-Murray. This podcast is for the Dao curious, those looking for a random bit of wisdom once in a while, or for those who want to dive into this wonderful teaching. In each episode, we do four things. 1, we read a verse of the Dao De Jing. 2, we break it down into everyday language. 3, we discuss my own thoughts and experience with the Dao. And 4, we look at a couple of the many ways you can put the Dao into practice for yourself. That's pretty much how I've been practicing the Tao every day. By listening to Lao Tzu, reflecting on his words of wisdom, listening to other comments, and trying to practice them in everyday life. I'm pretty sure that as I learn about and experience more of the Tao, all my thoughts and lessons will change. I wish the same for you as you grow along your journey. If you found something meaningful in this podcast, and would like to discuss it with others, I'd like to encourage you to subscribe to the subreddit Taoism. That's reddit.com slash r slash Taoism. Also, I'd invite you to share this podcast with friends if you think it would benefit them. As always, I wish you love, compassion, and peace. Thanks for listening.